Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Thirty-five years ago, when I said he did not lead us out this far, I didn't sound like Jamie. Just want y'all to know that. And yet, the next week, people came back. <laughs> God is a God of the He knows our heart. And uh, I am incredibly, incredibly grateful. Y'all sit down. Give it up for uh, the worship team, this band, the tech, the musicians, the dancers, everybody. Wow. They were amazing. We uh, are so blessed. Uh, We don't forget where we came from. And uh, sometimes 35 years seems like a long time ago. Sometimes it seems like yesterday. But uh, I am thankful for his goodness. How many of you were not alive 35 years ago? Raise your hand. Just go ahead and raise them high. Wow. Well, we're glad you came along. We waited for you so that you would be a part of this. Suzanne. I honestly don't. There's too much. Too much in my heart right now for me to express it all. I am totally overwhelmed with the goodness of God. Totally thankful. Somebody wrote me a text, us a text this morning and said, thank you for saying yes. And I thought, I had no idea. I had no idea when I said yes, but I'm thankful that I did. And you know what? I'm thankful that you did. I'm thankful that you said yes and came. I'm thankful that you said, yes, I want to be a part of the family of God. I'm thankful that you said, I want to lock arms with other believers and let's walk through whatever we have to walk through together. I'm glad that you said yes to the vision and to touching our city, just like we did with Reach Week recently. I thank you for saying yes to that. I thank you that you said, yes, God, the kingdom of God is so much better than me and my little space. Your kingdom is so great and so awesome. I want to be a part of the army of God that proclaims your goodness wherever I go and your faithfulness no matter what trial may come my way. Just like I was saying earlier, he gave me a song in the night in my darkest hour in my darkest hours I have awakened singing the song of the Lord and you know what I can't manufacture that and sometimes I go what am I gonna wake up to tonight but I wake up to a song that Holy Spirit plants in my heart and I sing it over and over and over again. And you know, each one of you, your song is, your, your life is a song. And I feel like every song I wake up and sing 
in the middle of hard times, in the middle of sometimes feeling like I'm bombarded on every side. You know what it is? That song that he's put deep down inside me, the enemy can't contain. It has to come out. So I want to thank you. I want to thank you for the song of your life. I want to thank you for being part of us. I want to thank you for your love. I want to thank you for your patience with us at times. I want to thank you for your faithfulness. I want to thank you for your generosity. And I know Pastor George is going to do this, but we have the greatest pastoral team in the world, and I want to thank them. We have the greatest staff in the world, and I want to thank them. When we were together Friday, putting up all the decorations outside, I went home and my back was hurting so bad, and I was like, I've got to lie down for a little while. But as I walked out to my car, I thought, we had so much fun. And, and Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, you know, when you find something to do together and you put your hand to something with others, there's a bond that builds. And so I'm thankful for the bond that has built with our staff and our pastors. And I'm thankful for you that you have come along with us, put your hand to the plow with us, and we're not looking back, we're going forward. Amen. I don't know what God has for us, and I don't know, I don't know what my ladder being greater looks like right now, but this one thing I know, that one day I'm going to be up there in those cloud of witnesses cheering you on. And you know what? I'm looking forward to that time more and more. In fact, we were just talking this morning, and we were saying, I was saying anyway, I just would love Jesus to come any moment now, any moment now. But until then, we're to be busy about the Father's business. Amen. I love you. Thank you so much. I don't know that I'll get through much. You should have seen my grandchildren when their Bella started singing. I realized, wow, the grandkids have never heard her sing. And they were just big-eyed. Wyatt was like, Bella's got a twang. I said, you know Bella had a twang? He just smiled. I think she should sing more often, right? I'm just saying. If I have to preach more often, she should sing more often. I think that would be fair. So great to have all of you here celebrating with us today. And my heart, as Suzanne has shared, our hearts are full. Uh, 35 years ago, I never dreamed of being here this long. <laughs> I don't know what I dreamed of. Uh, I just was young. And then I got old like Bob Weiner. 
But Bob's still clicking on, and he's 10 years older than me, so I got to keep going. But uh, I never really envisioned what 35 years down the road would be or look like. But I like what I see. I like doing life together with people of like mind, like heart, like spirit. I like doing life together with people that love to worship Jesus. Not the best singers in the world, are we, Steph? My daughter-in-law and I, we just love to sing, but they just kind of slide away from us when we, but we worship. No problem with that, right, Steph? But I'm thankful to do, to do life, to do ministry, to do family, to do relationship. I'm glad that church is more than where you go on Sunday morning and come back the following Sunday. I think I'm thankful that it's more than just religious rituals. I'm thankful for family. You see, that's what heaven's going to be all about. No first church of the whatever is going to be recognized in heaven. Just the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. One God, one Lord, one Savior, one Christ, one church, one body. And we're going to be celebrating. Barriers will be down. No more walls up because of what somebody might believe or not believe. As long as we believe in Christ and him crucified, the kingdom. I'm thankful. This last week I've been remembering and recommitting. Now I've never been big on recommittals. We have never redone our vows. We've been married 43 years. I meant what I said the first time. Don't think I need to do it again. Not planning on changing. I don't know what she's talking about. She's going to be up in the cloud of witnesses celebrating the rest of us. I don't know what she's talking about. (laughs) That's a long time from now. But to remember to give thanks. I can't remember all that God has done without remembering those that have gone on before us. And we've had a lot of amazing family that are with Jesus today. And I can't think about remembering and being thankful without making sure that every side and everything inside of me is committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. That there's nothing left undone. That my latter days will be greater because my commitment and my passion is greater than it's ever been. I don't look back 35 years and go and go, wow, wish we could do that again. No, did that once. Took some of y'all a long time to get here. Some of y'all had to be born. We were having lunch with some of the family last week at a restaurant, and one of our young couples was there, and I said, where were y'all 35 years ago? And they said, not thought of. It's like, hold it, I thought you were old. Ricky, Bobby. Ricky just looks as old as me, but he's not. He's just a baby. 
I'm going to hit a few of y'all this morning. But as I give thanks today, I pause to, in my own heart, to make sure, Lord, in all of this, you alone get all the glory. Not Jamie, not the band, not the musicians, not those young dancers, not the worship team, not the Parkers, not the people out greeting, not even the guys that are out there cooking for us right now. Come on, Lord, bless them in all that heat. Let them cook that barbecue just right. Let me know exactly when to stop. When the barbecue's just right. But that in all of this beauty, our heart is, Lord, you be glorified. Use us. I don't want one rock to ever have to be raised up to praise Jesus in my place. I don't want one stone to have to shout because I'm not willing to shout the goodness of my God. In the middle of your battles, in the middle of your fights, in the middle of your struggles, in the middle of your difficulties, he's still worthy. He has not left us nor forsaken us. He shows himself mighty on our behalf. And today, I want to pause for just a moment as We celebrate both the beginning and the ending of something that the Lord helped us to establish 35 years ago. So much of the vision began with a man of God who believed in Suzanne, believed in me, was willing to put a a confidence in this young couple that he believed was called and anointed, and he did his part in setting us apart. And I could not celebrate today without pausing to say how much I appreciate and honor my spiritual father, F. Nolan Ball. Four years ago, he went to be with Jesus few months after my brother Richard and a few months before my dad. And the three elder patriarchs of my life all went to be with Jesus in a very short six-month period of time. And I remember saying to the Lord, Father, all of these dad and dad figures in my life are gone. Who's next? He said, stop looking around. You're next. And I've called you and appointed you for such a time as this. And you no longer need another spiritual dad in your life. You are one. And out of what I have called you to do and anointed you to do and appointed you to do, I will accomplish my word in your life. I don't know where you are in your journey with the Lord today, where you are in your walk, but it's a wonderful thing to have a confidence that God knows exactly who you are, where you are, what you're doing. He has a purpose, a plan, a future, and a hope for your life. He's not through with you as long as you have life flowing through your veins. you got blood flowing through your veins and oxygen in your lungs. You have the opportunity to do what God has called you to do. This is not a one-man or a one-couple show. 
One day, if Jesus tarries, I will walk through the door of death. And there will be no cancellation of services. As soon as I stand up from the chair that I sit in, the Lord will have someone else to sit in that chair. That's not a morbid thing. That's a kingdom thing. If you've ever read the Bible, you've read the kingdom thing, man. Wherever God was through with Moses, he had a Joshua. But until he's through with you, hear me, you and I should be about the Father's business. We ought not to let stones or rocks cry out in our place because we're not willing to rise up. Our purpose on life in life is to do the will of God. And your life is passing by really quick. Stop. I got a word for somebody in here this morning. Stop waiting for a more opportune time. When all your kids are grown and whatever, whatever in your mind you're waiting on. You are missing out on the greatest life you could ever imagine. The life of serving and surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Honoring him with your whole life. Whatever it is he wants to do in your life, it begins with your surrender. To say, use me, Lord. We would not be here today. This house would not be here. The 170 acres of land that we own would not be here. Well, it'd be here. We just wouldn't own it. The rock school wouldn't be here. Many of the marriages in this place, you would not be married because you would have, well, you'd have been married maybe to somebody else. But God had a divine purpose and order. Raised you up. As Jamie said, 27 years, he walked into our house, sat right over there, had a whole group, of, a whole row of people with him. And at the end of the service, those people that came with Jamie couldn't get out of here fast enough. Only God knows where they are, who they are, or what they're doing today. But this man and this woman, Jamie and Jean, I know where they are and I know what they're doing. I know what they're accomplishing because they were not afraid to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So I say thank you to my pastor and his wife, Miss Shirley. She's about 91 or so now, still living in their home in Panama City, waiting anxiously to go be with Jesus and her Nolan, as she would call him. So I want to say thank you. I want to share for just a few moments, and I'm not going to be real preachy, but I want to share a couple of scriptures. Excuse me. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9 says this, only take heed and guard your life diligently, lest you forget the things which your eyes have seen, lest they depart from your mind and heart all the days of your life. Teach them to your children and your children's children. Remember and recommit. To re- recommit means to commit again the things that the Lord has done in your life to the next generation and the next generation and all the re- responsibilities we have to pass on the things that we have seen with our eyes, heard with our ears, witnessed. I don't know about y'all, but some of those songs we just did I think they need to permanently be brought back. 
I don't know, but some of the new songs just don't do me like some of those songs did me. <laughs> There's something. Sometimes you just got to bring out an oldie goldie. Sometimes we've gotten things so refined and perfected. If they don't cause your foot to start just moving without any control. If you got to force yourself to feel something. But I think worship should move you. Amen. Amen. And how many of y'all like a full stage up here of people like that, all those musicians? I'm going to just put all kind of pressure on Jamie. Some of you are new in this house. You got a gift. You need to let your gift be known. Now, we'll confirm it if you got it or not. Just, I'm just saying. Don't come up here telling us what you're going to do. Just come and submit like Jamie did for a long time. He sat behind us. Do you know how foolish I felt? Before Jamie, there was a young man named Sean Taylor. Sean came in our house when we were about a month old. And after about six months or so, he started backing us up in worship. And Suzanne was playing the keyboard, and we had some drums and a bass guitar. And I was still leading worship in front of the wooden podium right here. Scared spitless. Knees shaking. Just get me through the two songs. I think by six months, we were maybe up to three. I can't remember the words, so I got to see them. Or else I'm just singing my own words. And after a couple of practices, I heard Sean Taylor singing. Oh, my goodness, I could not pass the baton quick enough. I think it was like that very moment I turned and said, you're a tag, you're it. I'm not leading worship anymore. And then Suzanne continued to play the keyboard for quite a while until one day she heard Sean playing the keyboard. She's playing the keyboard. He's playing the keyboard and singing on whatever you call it. Key, not flat. On what? On pitch. Whatever pitch is. <laughs> then Jamie came along. Nigel came along. All these amazing singers, musicians. How many of you are glad the Lord takes us from glory to glory? Come on, somebody. I am so glad I'm not up here standing in front of this podium with my eyes shut trying to lead you on a song. But we're to remember and make sure the next generation of children know what's the most important thing in the kingdom. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a praise. What's the most important thing in the kingdom? Psalm 145, I wanted to read this whole chapter, but I knew I'd be out of time, and I'm already almost out. Verse 4, let this be the motto of your heart and your family. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. The psalmist is declaring, let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on the majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. We serve a God of the miraculous, a God of the supernatural. God has saved 
So many of us in the last 35 years in this place, we surrendered to Jesus, got filled with the Holy Spirit, got a purpose for living. God brought a mate, a husband or a wife into your life. God's blessed you with life, and with purpose, and with children, and with family. And some of you now are already seeing your grandchildren come into life. And we are literally commanded to make sure that we make sure our children and our grandchildren know what it's all about. What life is all about. What the kingdom of God is all about. What his purpose is. And to make sure that we're not letting the world raise our kids when he has called us to raise them, to train them, to teach them, and to impart. Your all-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue, and I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness, and they will sing with joy about your righteousness. And you know, Proverbs 29, verse 18, no matter what version you read from, it basically says this, without a vision, people perish, churches perish, families perish, fathers perish, mothers perish, without a vision, without a purpose, without the, the, the divine revelation of God, we will just go through this life wasting the energy that God has given us to do something great for him. Whether you can shout amen to that or not, hear me this morning. No matter who you are and again where you are on your journey with God, God has something special, wonderful, and amazing that he wants to do in your life. From the oldest person who prays, Mama Hyatt wants to go to be with Jesus so bad, she just talks about it every week. But I told her, Mama, she's not my mama, she's Ron's mama. But I tell her all the time, Mama, until you raise somebody up that's going to pray for me the way you pray for me, I don't think he's going to let you go. So if anybody's got a hold of that vision, go tag team with Mama Hyatt. She'll, she'll lay hands on you, and you'll have to get up about three, though, to start praying with her. And, uh, and then when you're fully trained, I guess the Lord will let you go home, Mama. She just says, whatever you say, Pastor, whatever you say. I ran into her a couple of weeks back at the, uh, after Sunday service, and she was sitting in the car. I walked by, this car was running. She looked in it, she was sitting in it. Barbara was inside getting their, their lunch, I guess. And so I opened the door, and we chatted a minute. She said, oh, so good to see you. This will be the last time I see you. Because <laughs> next week, I'll already be in heaven. <laughs> and I think I told her then, that ain't going to happen. And here she is. She's still here. That was actually a few months ago. The vision the Lord gave us in 1987 has not changed. It's grown. It's enlarged. It, it, it involves hundreds and hundreds of people today instead of one. But that vision, the simplicity of it was, as we drove down I-75 South into Gainesville, the Holy Spirit spoke and he said, pray and prophesy over the north, south, east, and west, and watch as I will build a house, a people, a church that looks like heaven. As most of you recognize, I'm white. I was born that way. 
tried to change colors a few times, but it never works. <laughs> but white attracts white. At least in 1987, it did. And I said, Holy Spirit, I'm white. My wife is white. We had three little white boys. How are you going to build a church that looks like heaven? How are we going to get blacks and browns and all the incredible people of God to come to a white church? Aren't you glad there are no white churches? I had to learn that lesson. He said, pray, prophesy, north, south, east, and west. I prayed and prophesied many of you in here. Some of you kicking and screaming. Some of you wanting out of here. But God has brought you for such a time as this. And one of the beauties of what I love about this family every time I get to walk out on this stage is this looks a whole lot like what heaven's going to look like. All God's children, red and yellow, black and white, we are precious in his sight. All the little children of the world. He loves us all. So he said, pray, prophesy. He said, preach the word without compromise and obey the voice of the Lord. Those words have not changed for us as a people. We're called to go into all the world. God loves the lost of this world and that has not changed in 35 years, except I believe we're living in that greater outpouring day. I believe there's nothing in the past that I want to go back to. Hear me, some of you revivalists. I don't want to go back. I want all the new that God has for 2022 that I believe is going to be greater than the great revivals of the past. That we're going to see more people come to Christ in the midst of a dark and, and desperate generation of people all over the world. It's happening. People are coming to Christ. I read the other day an amazing story of a, one of, is it an iman that's a Muslim? Is that how you say it? I read a story of an uh, uh, iman in Pakistan who, reading his religious book, somehow he believed that he had read about Jesus in his book. And so he began to question this Jesus the prophet. And Jesus the Messiah showed up and began to reveal himself to this man. And he bowed his knee and gave his heart to Jesus Christ. And today he is pastoring hundreds of churches across a, most, a mostly Muslim area because of the goodness of God. That's supernatural, folks. That, that is what God is doing on the face of the earth. God has called us and commissioned us to do our part not once a year in Reach Week, as amazing as Reach Week was, and man, I am thankful for every one of you that served, but we are called to go into our city, in city, city every single day and believe for the opportunity to share the good news with Jesus Christ, with those who desperately need it. 
You see, it is the will of the Father for us to be about his business. And what is his business? Wherever we are, we're to be salt and light. Say salt and light. We're to be salt and light in this generation. Whatever we're doing, we're to show the love of God. And we show the love of God by the way we love him, by the way we love one another, and by the way we love our neighbor who is probably lost and on their way to hell. We're called and we're anointed. We can pray and hear the plans that God has for us and do them, or we can go about living our own plans with much regret that we have not accomplished. Last year, I gave you a quote from D.L. Moody, and I ran across it this week, and I meditated on that, and I just want to give it to you one more time. D.L. Moody said, our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. Our greatest, our greatest failure would be to succeed at something, if I can change his quote, I would say, that has no eternal value. Because one day we will all stand before him, our God, our maker, our Lord. I believe that we're called to get lost people saved. Amen? I believe that we're to get saved people pastored and loved and cared for. I believe that we're to get pastored people discipled, which means we got to be willing to go one-on-one, and that we're to get discipled people mobilized to do what God has called us to do in our generation. So I close by saying, let's be about the Father's business. Amen? Let's just be busy about what God has called us to do. All right. That's the end of my message. I don't care what that clock says. I got a few things I have to say. Uh, As my wife said, I would. But uh, 35 years in the battles, the victories, the struggles, the good, the bad, the ugly, the difficult, I am incredibly grateful to Father God that I don't walk this walk alone. And so I want to take just a moment to say my thank yous today. Um, Because I can. (laughs) First of all, I want to thank God for my incredible wife who is every bit 100% a part of this as I am. If I could get her to preach more, I would. But whether she preaches or not, her heart for this house, for prayer, for this family, for this people is unmatched. And I am thankful that I am not walking alone in this journey. So would you just put your hands together and thank my wife for her faithfulness. Thank you. 
I don't know where I would be or what kind of man I would be if it wasn't for the gift that God gave me in 1975 when I first watched Suzanne walk past my dorm room at college. I was going steady with my blonde-headed girlfriend, cheerleader. I was a basketball player. I thought I was the cat's meow, young freshman, starting point guard. And I was standing at my window with a guy that happened to be a senior. I don't even know really how that relationship developed, but we're standing there at the window when she walked by, and I was like, Billy, Billy, do you know who that girl is? What girl? That girl right there with that pretty long dark hair, not blonde. Um, He said, yeah, that's Suzanne Mikay. She's my best friend. We sing together. We're both in the same class, both education majors. I said, you got to introduce her to me. (laughs) Long story short, one day in the cafeteria, I'm in there with my foot up on the table, twirling a basketball on my finger, inviting everybody out to the game that night. And Billy was somewhere in the middle, and Suzanne came in with her tray of food across the cafeteria, and he yells across the whole cafeteria, hey, Suzanne, that's George. He wants to meet you. I think my girlfriend was in the room that day. She's not my girlfriend anymore. Anyhow, I'm thankful that God got a hold of my wife. And uh, I'm glad for the 43 years of life that we've had together. Can't imagine. I also... Suzanne and I are overwhelmed at what God has, I don't know why he answered my prayer in this besides being a good God, but I'm careful with how I say this because some of you other grandparents don't have this. You have to go visit your kids. I don't know why all three of my sons and their beautiful wives and children stayed home in Gainesville, except it was a deep, deep, deep desire unspoken, as it were, because Luke, in his rebellious years, (laughs) used to tell us emphatically as soon as he was through with school, I'm out of here. I'm moving to Colorado. I'm going to work all summer, ski all winter, and y'all can come visit me. Now Luke, daddy of four, is the homebody of homebodies. (laughs) He would cook for all of us every day if we would all gather at his house. But I am thankful for Nathan and Stephanie, Caroline and George and Peter. I'm incredibly thankful for their hearts, their love, their family. All my kids are so wonderfully and uniquely different. And I am grateful for the stretching that happens in my life, even when I'm not grateful but I am thankful for them. I'm thankful for Andrew and Jess and Wyatt and Stella and Scarlett. Scarlett's just beaming because I just said her name. (laughs) I don't know how she got all those red curls. And for Luke and Ollie, 
and Eva and Anna and Ari and Jordan. Our man Jordan. We were done with nine. Then Jordan came along. She, you weren't? Okay. Well, I was because I think I was buying y'all's groceries or something back then. I actually had to repent because I was so mad when Luke and Ollie got pregnant <laughs> with Jordan. I didn't know he was Jordan then. I just, he was just like, y'all are poor. I'm buying you groceries and y'all ought to use some restraint. <laughs> no other parent in here has ever felt that way. I know. And then Jordan came along. Oh my gosh. He won the whole family's heart. And he is shy and does not like me talking about him right now. <laughs> but I'm thankful for my family because they bring great comfort, great joy. I love getting to do life, church, and worship with my family. And so I am appreciative that God overruled whatever was in them that ever wanted to leave to keep them here. And uh, I am incredibly appreciative of my precious family. Also to the church family, you guys, all of you. Some of you, because of this journey I've been on and because of COVID, I told somebody last Sunday when I was looking out across the congregation while I was preaching, it's amazing how you can be talking and at the same time think about something. I was thinking, I don't know half the people in here. But God knows and God's joining us and knitting us and you know others and we're all doing something together in the kingdom. And I am incredibly grateful. If I had the time this morning, could, and knew that without a doubt you were well and not sick, I would like to hug every single one of you. But I'm going to restrain because I know every one of you is not well and somebody's got a bug that I don't need. So I'm going to love you from a distance, all right? But know this, I love you, I appreciate you, I love doing life together. I hope we'll do life all the way up until we're all in the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Amen. Whether we're here or wherever, that we will continue to walk out the faithfulness of God. I know Suzanne did this, but I want to say thank you to my staff and all of my pastoral team. Matter of fact, I want them to stand. Even the guys in the sound booth, there's some back there. All of my staff and pastors, would you stand? These are the people that make it happen all the time and we are grateful grateful thank you guys love you so much couldn't do it without you and lastly uh i want to do this just because i think it's the right thing to do i want to honor two families that are part of my team um because longevity matters and uh, before I ever came to Gainesville, uh, Tad and Missy Miller were part of my youth ministry. They weren't Tad and Missy Miller then, they were Tad Miller and Missy Navoda. Is that right? Wow, I can't believe I remember that. <laughs> I married them a few months before we moved here. And Ed and Karen Saxon, who Ed swears that when I first met him, he walked into a room that a bunch of young youth pastors were at, and I was sitting in there, and he walked in, and, and according to his words, I looked up at him and said, who are you, and what are you doing here? He, he, he really believes that I said that. It doesn't sound like me at all. 
Anyhow, shortly after we moved to Gainesville, Tad and Missy had gotten married and they were coming and had to wait for one semester for Missy to graduate from Gulf Coast Community College. So they actually moved here. So December this year, Tad and Missy will have been a part of this house for 35 years too. So I think you should give it up for Tad back there in the back and Missy and all the kids. All the kids weren't here 35 years ago either. They've come along over time. And, uh, and Ed and Karen, uh, in June next year, 2023, Ed and Karen uh, packed up a U-Haul, fled Georgia, uh, and came down here. Uh, and I told Ed when we talked, and he said, I want to come. I want to come be a part of what you're doing. I said, I have nothing to offer you and no money to pay you. And he said, I'll get a job. I don't know how they did it, but they uprooted, came down here in a big U-Haul, rented a little house, and Ed went to work selling appliances, making $750 a month, and started our children's ministry the day they walked into the house. Thirty-five years. That is beyond incredible. I don't know anybody that's been so faithful and committed uh, to the children of this house. Loves the kids. Full of vision. And I don't know how long Ed and Karen and Suzanne and I, Tad and Missy are a little behind us. Ron's old too, so <laughs> throw him and Barbara in there with us. But, uh, you know, all I can say is right now we ain't going nowhere. We got something to do and something to accomplish. And so I am thankful. And today as uh, we wrap up, Pastor Ron's coming in just a second. I want to pray over you. And I do look forward, we're going to have a wonderful lunch. You can, they'll tell you all the details about it. But uh, I am just thankful that you were here today to be a part of our celebration. Uh, you know, every once in a while, you ought to just stop and celebrate. Just need to stop and celebrate. I was watching the kids as they were about... 18 songs into it, the kids started sitting down. <laughs> They're like, even Pastor Ed doesn't have this kind of energy. What in the world are we doing? How many songs are we going to do? I saw them looking at their watches. But thank you for celebrating with us the goodness of God. Amen? I want to pray over you. Father, I am so thankful and grateful today for this amazing group of people, this family, that you have uprooted from the north, south, east, and west, from Eastern Europe, from South America, from Canada, from all over North America. Father, you brought people here for such a time as this. You made us a family. You grafted us into your kingdom and into this body. And I am thankful. And I pray over every man, woman, young, old, every child, that each of us would use this day to remember and give thanks 
And we're needed to recommit or to commit again to the purposes in which you have called us to live our lives. That we will be diligent about the business of the kingdom. I am thankful today, Father. And I pray that those that are just visiting with us today, family and friends from out of town and other places, that today they will be refreshed as well. Remember as well all that you have done in their lives. Commit again as well, Father, to whatever it is you called them to be about, their lives, their ministry, their purpose. And I ask you, Father, show yourself mighty in these days that we're entering in, that we will not waste a day or an hour, but that we will be diligent about your purpose, living fulfilled lives, loving you, and doing your will. I give you thanks and praise for that. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody shout a big amen. Amen, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.